It's game day, and this is the home of Scottish football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good afternoon and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Rangers cut Celtic's lead to two with a comfortable win amid ugly scenes at Hibs Celtic can respond against Aberdeen the last visitors to win a league game in Glasgow's East End and the bottom two meets as do the two above that and the two above that as the bottom six heats up I'm Gordon Duncan joining me today Alex Ray, Greg Beattie and Hugh Keevans The game of tension tennis goes on today Rangers volleyed the ball back into Celtic's half of the court with their easy win at Hateful Easter Road last night Celtic now have to avoid any unforced errors when they play Aberdeen today and if Celtic win here's a question for you is this Premiership made up of two big clubs and ten make-weights if Celtic beat Aberdeen today they open up a 17 point gap between themselves and Derek McInnes' side and we're not even at the halfway stage yet the gulf is getting bigger and bigger but you can't take your eyes off it all the same as you'll find out at Hamilton and Kilmarnock today. Yeah, brilliant games again today. I said last week that Celtic and Rangers generally are winning machines. Again, they won last Sunday. Um, Rangers winning last night and, and it's over to Celtic again today against what has been the, the second or third forced in, in recent years in Scottish football. So massive games at the top today and massive games at the bottom. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Gordon. I think, uh, as you said, and, and Big Beats, you know, it's an opportunity for uh, Rangers to put a bit of pressure on today. Uh, Aberdeen don't travel well down to Glasgow uh, predominantly. Hearts uh, have to go and try and take something, you know, get something going under Stendhal. And if you look down in the Championship, a really couple of good games as well. Alloa are playing Morton. Partick Thistle's looking to get three on the bounce. Hadn't some good form at the right time, Thistle. Some big three o'clock kickoffs coming up. Let's start going around the grounds. First stop is Celtic Park. Celtic against Aberdeen. Let's get the team news with Gordon DL and Andrew McLean. Yeah, well, Celtic looking to open that gap at the top of the table back to five points. Neil Lennon's been delighted with their recent form. A common theme of those matches has been the fact that he said afterwards that they could have scored more. Will today be the day that it all falls into place? And they hit the high figures like they did at Pataudry earlier on in the campaign. Aberdeen have been consistent in recent times. Just one win in their last eight matches. It's not often they have happy trips to Celtic Park. But as Gordon said at the top of the show, they were the last side to win a league game here that wasn't Celtic. And they'll be hoping that Sam Cosgrove can fire them to victory. 19 goals in 25 games for him this season in all competitions. As for team news, one change for Celtic from that trip to Tynecastle. Out goes Johnny Hayes. In comes Bolly Ball and Golly. So it's a 4-2-3-1 for them. Fraser Forster starts in goal. A back four of Jeremy Frimpong, Christopher Julian, Christopher Iyer and Bolly Ball and Golly. The holding midfield of Scott Brown and Callum McGregor with Ryan Christie, Olivier Cham and James Forrest in behind Odson Edward. The substitutes Gordon, Taylor, Beaton, Rogic, Johnston, Bio and Griffiths. Two changes for Aberdeen going into this one from that 1-0 win over Hamilton. Viner and Considine come in at the expense of Lee and Hedges. A 4-3-3 for them. It's Joe Lewis that starts in goal. A back four of Shea Logan, Ash Taylor, Scott McKenna and Andy Considine. Lewis Ferguson, Zach Viner and Funzo Ojo are the midfield three with James Wilson and Niall McGinn supporting Sam Cosgrove. The substitutes Cherney, Devlin, Campbell, Gallagher, Hedges, McLennan and Main. The referee here at Celtic Park is Ewan Anderson, Gordon DL. What are you thinking ahead of this one? Well, I'll be very surprised by five o'clock if Celtic haven't opened that gap back up to five points, Andrew. I can't make a case for Aberdeen. Celtic went up to Pataudry not that long ago and it was 4-0 game over by half-time. And that was without players of the quality of Ryan Christie, who's back in today. I've sat here many a time this season and I've never seen an opposition team coming here and thinking this could be the day that they could go and beat Celtic. So 
I expect the Celtic to come out. I think they'll be on the front foot. They've got quality players all over the pitch, and I think they'll have too much for Aberdeen. Just the one change for Celtic, two for Aberdeen. Kickoff is at three o'clock. Let's hear from both management teams then. Neil Lennon, first up today. Since we played them last time, they've been pretty consistent. You know, the, I think the Hibs game in isolation of um, was just, you know a, a shock result considering the form they've been shown. So they've been pretty consistent, and <clears throat> Derek's quite shrewd manager. Don't have any admiration for him. And I think it'll be make it really difficult. He may change the way they play. He's had a week to work on it, obviously. Um, and in Cosgrove, they've got you know one of the best goal scorers in the country. He's having a stellar season. So I don't know. They could come out and have a go, or they could come out and be you know rigid and difficult to beat. And uh, they're very good at that sometimes. And it was assistant boss Tony Doherty on media duties for Aberdeen this week. There has to be a real belief going down here that we can get something, and there has to be a balance, you know, a balance about our play, about controlling and being an, carrying enough threat. We again having that respect for for your opponent, but you know, down there in two league performances, we drew nothing each down there and, and narrow defeat, one nothing. So we know we can do that, you know, and, and, and the team I think is getting better and better. So yeah, we go down with that mindset. Of course, we want to make sure we go and try and get something for the game. We're being respectful of our opponents, but we know the strengths that we possess as well. You know, so it's important that we make sure we keep tight. You know, we make sure. Yes, they love chances. They love a bit of the ball. We love a bit of the ball. So again, it's getting that balance. But the most important thing is going down there with belief. Strangely enough, about this fixture, Gordon Celtic have clearly had the upper hand in recent seasons. A lot of high-profile and high-scoring victories, but actually at Celtic Park, is. A bit more comfortable for Aberdeen and that, I know that goes against what you would expect But in the last three visits to Celtic Park They've won one, drawn one and lost one So actually, in recent times Travelling to the East End of Glasgow Hasn't been as bad as their performances at home against Celtic Yeah, I think they come here with no pressure Because apart from Aberdeen supporters I don't think anybody thinks they're going to get a result Gordon. They've got good players, you've got to say that I'm saying if Celtic aren't at the top of their game Then yeah, Aberdeen could cause an upset but I just think Celtic know how to win games. Celtic Park is completely different this season for me. As I say, I've sat here and never looked at a game and thought, oh, this could be the day, it could be an upset, a, an opposition team could go and beat Celtic. I just think they know how to up the gears, I know how, they know how to go and win. They've got important players all over the pitch. Edward, for instance, his link-up play this season has been absolutely brilliant for me. They've got Ryan Christie on top for him. Forrest is a massive player for them and Cham's there. They seem to, even when they're below par, they know when just to change the gears to go and get victories, especially Celtic Park. I know you've said in the past Aberdeen, I think this is different this season. I think they'll look now at Rangers last night and think, OK, two points, let's put the pressure back on them and make it five points. And I think that's why Celtic will win this today comfortably for me. What about the personnel on show? A lot of it seems to pick itself at the moment, Gordon. Um, the only one that tends to stir up a little bit of debate on our Twitter feed when the team lines are announced is at left back. It was Johnny Hayes that got the nod during the week. He's now not involved at all today. And it's Volleyball and Golly who comes back in. Uh, Greg Taylor taking his usual place on the bench. Yeah, you've got to think that Greg Taylor, and I think a lot of people are big fans of this guy because he was brought in for a few million quid. Uh, but even, it, you know, you look at Johnny Hayes in front of him the other night there, I think Bolingoli is the number one for Neil Lennon. Uh, he did get off to a sticky start. I know the question marks are still out there and some Celtic supporters phone in and, you know, talk about his defensive, um, you know, strengths. But going forward, especially at Celtic Park, I think he gives you a lot, Gordon. I like him. 
I know that Hugh is not a big fan of him, but I think he's got something that, you know, and it's taken him a little bit of time to settle in. And I'm not surprised he's went with ball and goal this afternoon. So there's the challenge, Hugh. Celtic looking to restore a five-point lead against the last team to win a domestic game at Celtic Park. Celtic haven't lost there domestically since May 2018. And it was Derek McInnes and Aberdeen who inflicted that defeat. It's a sellout today. And it was a sold out yesterday. 60,000 Celtic fans expect a win because they know that the Rangers game is just around the corner. And that game could be pivotal in terms of who wins the league. So they can't have a booby trap before then. They've got St Mirren to follow. But Aberdeen, having been humiliated by Celtic at Petordre, will come in a a vengeful frame of mind. They do have in Sam Cosgrove a proven goal scorer. But Celtic have picked an exceptionally strong team. Gordon's right. I think Bolgoli is an accident waiting to happen in a defensive sense. However, the other 10 are the players that you would expect to be on the park for Celtic. If they do not win and it turns out to be a booby trap, my suspicion is it will be because Celtic haven't played at their best, not because Aberdeen have been better than Celtic. So Celtic against Aberdeen, the big game in the east end of Glasgow. Let's go around the rest of the grounds and get a flavour of the build-up and some team news. The bottom two meet in South Lanarkshire. Hamilton against Hearts, Roger Hanna. Yeah, and in a week when Shaken Keevan started trending in Glasgow in the West, Gordon, mm. we've got a meeting of Rock and Rice and Stuttering Stendhal, who are two bosses with very little to sing about this Christmas. As you know, their Aki's and their Hearts teams joint bottom of the Premiership going into this game. Only 12 points each, three adrift of St Johnson and St Mirren who meet today in Perth. And how's this for close? Hearts scored 16, conceded 30. Aki's scored 16, conceded 31. And their records recently are just as miserable as each other. Aki's no wins in their last 11, stretching back to the end of September. They did get a 2-2 draw at Tynecastle in August when George Oakley scored twice. But Hearts one win in 14, going back to the Derby at Easter Road in September. And after today, they host Hibs and Aberdeen before the winter break. So there's big pressure on Daniel Stendhal, who's yet to celebrate a goal or a point in his two games in charge of Hearts. Now, I saw Hearts win here 4-1 for Super Scoreboard in the opening day of last season, and it's virtually been all downhill since then, Gordon. Highlighted by a 1-0 defeat in their last visit here in March when Adam McGowan scored the only goal. And they could be up against it again today. Hamilton of Alec Gogic back in the middle of the park after his ban for his red card against St Mirren. So Brian Rice is getting players back. He's going today with a, what you might say, very close to his first choice 11, if you like. Still fitness. There's Lewis Smith and Brian Easton are only fit enough for the bench. So it's Luke Southwood and goal. Adam McGowan, Sam Stubbs, Jamie Hamilton and Scott McMahon across the back. It's Will Kohler, Scott Martin, Alec Gogic and Mikel Miller in midfield with Stephen Davis and George Oakley up top. And the bench, Fawn Williams, Hunt, Cunningham, Winter, Moyo, Easton and Smith. Bad news for Hearts, Christoph Berra, who scored against Aggies in September, is banned after six bookings in the league. It's the first league game he's missed this season. The captain does not play, but back from a ban comes Uchi Ekpiazu, and fit again is Stephen Naismith, and they're paired up top alongside Stephen McLean, and quite an attack-minding team from Stendhal today. So it's Joel Pereira in goal, back four of Aaron Hickey, Craig Halkett, Michael Smith and Aidy White. Midfield, Sean Clare, Glenn Whelan, Loic Demur, and then Stephen Naismith, Stephen McLean and Uchi Ekpiazu. 
Piazzu up top on the bench Lamal, Bazanich, Mulraney, Henderson, Dicamona, Machino and Whiten and the shock news for Loic Demore of Hearts is that today's referee is not Scott Brown it is in fact <laughs> David Monroe it's just his 8th top flight game of his refereeing career and if Hearts fans are looking for omens I've got a bad one for them his last one was Hearts 1-0 defeat at St Johnson in October which cost Craig Levine's job Let's hear from both managers then Brian Rice first up Do a background work on it and have a look uh, see what Stanley's teams like to play before you know we've got a, a rough idea uh, but I think the most important thing is what we do know what the opposition does you know I think you can spend too much time in fretting about the opposition I think you've, you've got to concentrate on your own game first and that's something we've been doing Anytime any team's bottom of the table no, it's not a nice feeling about the place but like I keep saying there's five or six clubs still in there and there will be five or six clubs in my opinion uh, Fighting right through at the end of the season. So Brian Rice, they're up against Daniel Stendel today. I expected a, a hard game for us, a, a close game, especially uh, yeah, with my experience from from the St Johnston game. It's a way, it's a uh, astroturf, uh? yeah, and um, yeah, it's a lot of things um, um, special, the situation uh, uh, for both clubs, and um, yeah, and. Uh, we need a right mentality to 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 play this game, and um, and um, I expected that we play better than last Saturday. This is so from one new manager to a managerless club in Kilmarnock. They're at home to Motherwell today. Fraser Wishart's keeping an eye on that one. They are, of course, managerless. Gordon, it's fifth versus fourth here in a game that would have been good to watch anyway. But uh, as you're saying, there, there's a bit of extra interest in this game after the events of this week, Kelly manager. Angelo Alessi, of course, lost his job this week. And the reaction of the supporters today, I think, will be interesting. And last night's super scoreboard with a call from an unhappy Kilmarnock fan who's, who thinks the, the club are premature and him and his son are not going to come to this game. And it will be interesting to see whether that's the feeling of other Kilmarnock fans in the ground today. But in any case, look at the football assistant, Alec Dyer, is in charge. And today, all he and the players can do is change that mindset with a win today. On the field, a bit inconsistent this season, but they are fifth in the table and Angelo Alessio was manager of the month in October so not too much wrong but they haven't won in four since they demolished Hearts here a month ago two wins two home draws sorry and two away defeats and it'll be just as difficult today for them because Motherwell had an excellent season prior to that defeat last week against Rangers they had three wins in a row without losing even a goal and then a fourth place comfortably eight points ahead of Kilmarnock today's opponents and a win today would give Motherwell a lovely cushion between, the te- between them and the teams below them going into the New Year games. They have pace and goals in key areas, Motherwell, they're strong in the midfield, but so did Kelly. Very equal two teams, and certainly in that midfield area. So a fascinating game ahead for me. Alex Dyer has made just one change to his selection today. Liam Miller drops to the bench and El Macrini comes in. He goes to Laurent Branescu in goals. Stephen O'Donnell, Connor Johnson, Dario Del Fabro and Nico Hamalainen at the back. In midfield, Gary Dicker and Alan Power with Chris Burke, Mo El Macrini and Rory McKenzie behind the lone striker. Eamon Brophy, the substitutes for Kamarok, Jan Koprovic, Alec Bruce, Liam Miller, Ian Wilson, Dominic Thomas, Osmond So and Thomas Brindley for well, Stephen Robson made three changes Mugabe, Polworth and Cole dropped to the bench with Hartley, O'Hara against his old club and Scott coming in, they line up with Mark Gillespie in goals, Liam Grimshaw, Declan Gallagher, Peter Hartley, Jake Carroll at the back Alan Campbell, Liam Donnelly and Mark O'Hara in midfield with James Scott and Jermaine Hilton either side of the main striker Christopher Long, the subs for Motherwell, Trevor Carson, Beavis Mugabe, Liam Polworth, Richard Tate, Jamie Semple, Sherwin Seedorf and Devante Cole and the referee today a rugby park is Willie Collum 
Let's keep going around the grounds then Some big fixtures all across the division St Johnston against St Mirren The Battle of the Saints in Perth Dave Galloway's there Good afternoon Gordon Well both sides have steadied the ship In the last couple of games With a win and a draw each And so have something to build on today As they plot a path away From the foot of the Premiership Both sits on five points Just three ahead of Hearts And Hamilton at the bottom St Johnston have a good record In this particular fixture Having won six of the last seven league meetings between the teams here at McDermott. However, St Mirren beat the Perth men in Paisley back in October and boss Jim Goodwin's pleased with the positivity in his squad as they look to round the year off on a high. St Johnston make a couple of changes. Dre Wright and Callum Henry replacing Ali McCann and Stevie May. So it's Xander Clark in goals at the back. Anthony Ralston, Jason Kerr, Liam Gordon and Callum Booth. It's Dre Wright, Jason Holt and Murray Davidson in midfield up front, Michael O'Halloran, Callum Hendry and Matty Kennedy. Substitutes, Parrish, Tanzer, Duffy, May, McCann, Wotherspoon and Craig. As for St Mirren, two changes for them also. Paul McGinn and Sam Foley are in. Scott Glover and Kyle McAllister drop out. So it's Vaclav Hiladki in goals. A back four of Ryan Flynn, Paul McGinn, Sean McLaughlin and Callum Waters. Midfield, Kyle McGinnis, Cameron McPherson, Sam Foley and Ilkay Dermis. Up front, Junior Marias and John Obika. Subs, McMaster, Andrew Mullen. Cook, Jork AF, Linus and Jemison. Match referee at McDermott, John Beaton. And not forgetting, we've also got Livingston against Ross County making up the Premiership card uh, this afternoon. So we've got Alex Ray, Craig Beattie, Shaken Keevans in the studio. <laughs> Let me just bring some of the guys. Roger Hanna, Fraser Wishart, Gordon Dilly, all happy with, with Shaking's Christmas song. Any improvements that could be made? No, I think uh, it's got to be a number one. It's a bit, I've known Hugh a long time. And that is his 40 now. Get him out and start singing <laughs> song. Get him out in the road. Absolutely fantastic, Hugh. Well done. Thank I'm you, just Gordon. Just looking forward to his album. What are you yeah. going to put in your album, Hugh? Well, I was thinking of doing Oh Holy Night in the, the style of Leonard Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get things going. <laughs> Craig, Craig BT, I know you'll be a big fan. You you like your music. You'll, yeah. you'll have been ad- admiring his work. Watched it during the week. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. And and also we've actually had the development guys today. Um, and you have to be pretty careful with how you word this on radio in Glasgow. But uh, Hugh got some Shireen Nanjiani this morning. Um, a video oh. was sent by the woman herself just to clear up exactly what I meant there. Just thanking him for for the mention in the video. So he's 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 Mr. Worldwide. He's everywhere. Everyone wants a piece of it. See, it's a, a late stage in life to become a heartthrob. But seventy year olds can cut it out. Well done Yeah well done It was brilliant stuff (laughs) Anyway On a more serious And much less Festive cheery note uh, But some ugly scenes Easter Road last night That's one of the biggest Stories of the week I'm sure you'll agree We'll get all the guys Opinions on that After these Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Road Accident Solicitors The compensation You deserve When you've been Sidelined Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Keevans, Craig Beattie and Alex Ray here with me, Gordon Duncan, in the studio. We've got the top team all around the grounds. The early game in the English Premier League finished, by the way, Everton nil, Arsenal nil. Guys, you can rest assured that there is absolutely no chance you will witness a worse game this afternoon. <laughs> so uh, you've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, as we always do at this time on a Saturday, we get everyone involved and reflect on some of the biggest stories of the week. We had a big game Friday night under the lights in the capital. It finished Hibs nil, Rangers 3 I'm of the belief that the football should always take top billing, mm-hmm. Hugh Keevans. Yep. So before we get to the, the nonsense, what about the result and the outcome? First class for Rangers. 
uh, everything about it They took advantage of a goalkeeping mistake to go one up First time I've ever known a game to be over before our programme was over uh, Before we went off air, uh, it was 2-0 because of Joe Aribo and the game was finished uh, Defoe's touch and finish for the third goal, exquisite Career-long goal scorer and the loss of Morelos was not a factor at all So Rangers have applied the psychological pressure on Celtic today It is back to two points And uh, Celtic must respond because Rangers are not going away Alex, it could have been a difficult fixture We actually, most of the trepidation came from Rangers fans Who phoned in the show last night saying You know what, not sure about this Easter Road, no Morelos When you look at it in the end, what was all the fuss about? I think when you look at the impact that Jack Ross has had Gordon, you know, they've been scoring goals They've got some decent results on the back of it uh, having watched the game I felt as if Tactically He got it wrong By playing the diamond They get absolutely Terrorised down the sides And With a bit of fortune In his bit half They could easily Have been 3-4-5 Down at half time And they started the game uh, Well in the second half But I think the thing That's going to get missed In the whole shooting match This year The way that Rangers played In the final third Some of their interpass And some of their Quality of goals Was absolutely sublime And The way That they pressed the game They hounded the life out of Hibs They get right in their faces mm-hmm. They couldn't cope with that Kind of level of pressure And they actually got overwhelmed And If I'm being critical And, and I like to be A wee bit critical They need to be more, more ruthless When they go 3-0 three, three up And they get a man sent mm-hmm. off Because This could go down to goal difference yeah. I think if, if Celtic drop points anywhere And Rangers manage to capitalise They want to be able to uh, Leapfrog Celtic And that's two games in the bounce Where they've been down to 10 men in the opposition And they haven't scored a goal So I think there'll be A frustration there For Steven Gerrard But overall I thought they were excellent Gordon Now unfortunately Some of it will be overshadowed By the fact that A glass bottle Was thrown onto the field As Borna Barisic Lay injured After the tackle From Ryan Portis Which ended in the red card Fraser Wishart With your PFA Scotland hat on I know you feel Extremely passionately As everyone does And should to be fair But in, in your position Give us your reaction to that well, I think uh, when it happened before last season, I was talking with a PFA hat on and saying it's almost like Groundhog Day, you know, where you're just seeing it time and time again, and, and it was sad to see it once a, again in Hibs, were involved a couple of times last season with Scott Sinclair and James Tavernier as well, that area, the pitch seems to be an issue for the club, the club took action, they, they spent almost £100,000 on new uh, CCTV, so they will get the culprit. But what, what do Hibs do? You know, and it really is time for, for supporters to, to, to actually behave themselves before somebody gets hurt. You know, Barris is just lying on the ground uh, and he, he doesn't see anything coming. If that hits him, it could cause him real problems. And if that happens, then we're into a whole different domain if a player starts to get injured, injured by it. So uh, it, it just saddens me. I don't get the mentality of somebody who takes that kind of thing into the ground for a start, but also who throws it. I just don't get the mentality. I know their team are struggling and I know that from, from the word goes, Hugh says the game is over before we left it, the, the, sh- the show, so there was frustration there. But uh, fans, again, are, are just letting their, their, their club down. And uh, for me, it has to stop because one, one time somebody is going to get hurt and then all of a sudden we're into a legal dimension, we're into lawyers and all sorts of things. We just don't want to see that happening at all in that football match. With regard to the, the Borisic incident, as Fraser said, this is a prone man. This is an injured man the victim of a terrible tackle that gets the Hibs player sent off and why Hibs argued over the red card is beyond human understanding. But this is a prone man. So what happened there was not just thuggery, it was cowardly. Boris couldn't even see what was happening. He's lying on the ground, dealing with his injury. And Hibs have got to be 
stronger when it comes to these matters. You go back to that cup final riot where the Hibs fans come over. Absolutely no remorse from Hibernian Football Club at all. Uh, described as over-exuberance by the then chairman. Now they've got a new American owner and he has got to say, or oh, I, I cannot tolerate this in my ground. It was appalling and these television pictures go far and wide and the city of Edinburgh has unfortunately gained a terrible reputation. Neil Lennon was attacked by a fan at Tynecastle. Neil Lennon was felled by a coin inside Tynecastle. James Tavernier was attacked by a fan inside Easter Road. And now we've had these disgusting scenes where Borisic is concerned. For me, light touch punishment doesn't work. People have got to know that if they do this, they go to prison. Yeah, well, that's the thing, Roger Hanna. There are two separate issues here because we we love football and we're obsessed with football. So we want to know what football is going to do about it. And rightly so. Completely understand that. But at the same time, that's quite blatantly a, a police matter. You throw a bottle at someone in the street, you're going to get arrested. If this person gets identified by this new fancy CCTV system that Hibs have, he or she will be arrested as well. So there's an overlap there. Of course, we're looking at what can football do about it but you know the law of the land will come into play here yeah I mean we have to get back to the basics you're dealing with morons here Gordon absolute grade A morons people taking half bottles of spirits into grounds and hurling them at prone players on the ground um, I have a degree of sympathy for Leanne Dempster and the people at Hibs I thought they acted very strongly after the James Tavernier incident last year um, there was a banning order I think and they have spent a great deal of money as Fraser says upgrading CCTV um, I am quite confident that Hibernian will identify the culprit last night um, and then hopefully the scales of justice will will come down on them um, Anne Budge if you remember across the city closed a section of Tynecastle because of a consistent level of trouble emanating from that section I think the next step for Leanne Dempster and Ron Gordon at Hibernian is mm. to seriously consider shutting parts of Easter Road for these games because what's it going to take for them to, both the club and for the criminal justice system in Scotland to take these incidents seriously? Does it really need a tavernier or a barrisage to actually be felled by a bottle or a mm. Scott Sinclair? There was a game in Edinburgh last season when a coconut was thrown onto the pitch I mean, these people, as I said, are morons. We're going back to this idea of deterrent, Roger Hanna. I mean, if you remember last year, the fan who ran on at James Tavernier, he was sent to jail. He was actually sent to, to jail for that. Now, if that doesn't act as a deterrent, are, are we dealing with the type of person who's going to take a potential punishment to their football club into account and say, oh, you know what, I better not do that because they might close this section of the stand or, or they might fine the club. If jail doesn't put you off, what is going to put these people off? Listen, it's a very valid question. and you know There might not be any deterrence that put them off. Um, what Hibernian need to do, though, is ensure as best they can that people don't get in with half bottles of vodka gone. Um, if that means that everyone is searched and that their stewarding bill goes through the roof, their policing bill goes through the roof, uh, then so be it. Because the reputation of Hibernian is on the line here. Um, and the reputation for the SPFL of its new Friday night football as an experiment, it's on the line as well. Because that's a couple of Friday nights now in Edinburgh where it's all kicked off. And we were discussing in the office yesterday afternoon it's just the type of game where everything's going to kick off. And sadly, as it was all kicking off last night, there was a sort of 
shrug of the shoulders and almost a sort of, oh, well, that was inevitable, wasn't it? And it shouldn't be inevitable. Fraser Rushett will tell you his members have a right to feel safe in their working environment. The pitch at Easter Road last night is Borna Barisic's place of work. He has every right to feel safe and secure in his place of work. And Hibernian Police Scotland and the criminal justice system need to mm. do more in to answer, protect Barisic and the players. In answer to your question, Gordon, about if jail doesn't deter them, what will? The problem is it will deter the one who was sent to jail, but they're like buses. There'll be another moron along in a minute with another bottle or something even worse. And that, that's my point. So we, I think everyone acknowledges it would be lovely for, for clubs to do more. You should always take some of the responsibility. But how do you actually deter that type of behaviour? Well, Gordon, sorry, sorry, Hugh. Yeah. This, I was talking to a friend of mine today and he says, from a Rangers perspective, he says there was three security checks. He says it was murder trying to get in there. I'm not sure that the actual three uh, kind of checks is for the home fans. Because if it would, they would have identified that bottle. Hmm. I think we, you know clearly we are taking society's problems inside football grounds. You know, um, Peter Lawwell at Celtic mentioned this when he took away a few hundred seats occupied by the group known as the Green Brigade because their conduct was unacceptable. And unfortunately, that is today's society. The more you tell them that they're bad guys. The more they don't listen to you And just go on their way Yeah I mean Some do Yet again though Craig It's fairly obvious You're dealing with absolute minorities You're talking about one guy Last night out of I can't remember what the attendance was um, But at the same time That, that doesn't really matter Because <laughs> no. one guy can cause a lot of damage I agree with you I do think it's a societal problem Although it's very very minute But it only takes It takes one occasion For, for a, a glass bottle to hit a football player And it's to, I mean I'm not even going to say what, what the potential is if, if that half bottle of spirits lands on his head Or the back of his neck etc um, But you're looking at horrific Horrific um, well consequences First of all for, for the culprit But also you know, possible Real serious injuries um, And possibly worse um, it, It's absolutely horrendous uh, Coupled with the fact that they're quite clearly Under the influence as well So although it's a societal problem They're then taking it into the ground The fact that they're Inhibitions are, are actually affected because they've been drinking alcohol. It's just it's not a good mix at all, and, and you know people really need to, to screw the nut about it. Gordon Deal, the sad thing is we've been here before. So even though, and I, I'm just trying to assess every side of the argument. I know I said that it, you know is there such a thing as a deterrent? Maybe it's just time football tried something radical just to see because you you can't really argue that the the current situation's working. Yeah, it's sad to see, Gordon. Uh, I don't think we're going to stop it. I think no matter where you go, there'll always be these people that just don't know how to behave in society. And as the boys touched on there, you've got players, that's their work. They should feel safe out there. And uh, for bottles to get thrown on pitches is unacceptable. It really is. But you're right, Gordon. It does. They'll identify one guy. That guy will be punished. Hopefully get a jail sentence that he deserves. But I do not think, like you, I don't think I'll stop it. I think we need to try something. We need to find a way. I don't, I've not got the answer. But you cannot have players going out there with a risk that they may be hit with bottles or coins or whatever it may be. That is not on. OK, let's hear from both managers from last night. Jack Ross had some strong things to say on it. As a human being, so I'm answering this as a human being rather than as a football manager, I can't quite get my head around why MD would make the decision to throw a glass ball at another human being. I just don't get it I don't understand it and um, there's, there's a couple of different aspects of that there's some people that argue that behaviours on the pitch 
and round the pitch affect that. And that's not that's that's garbage. That's an excuse. If somebody that does that deserves the consequences that come with it because it's a ridiculous decision. Well, I think both benches won't be proud of seeing that back because that's not what it's all about. We need to control our emotions better. Um, it was a straight red card. There's no doubt about that, and we were disappointed with Hibbs trying to defend that. Uh, and trying to influence the referee from that, but it was clear to see from what well, hundred metres away, it was just straight red. He can't defend that. How disappointing you've got objects being thrown at players a couple of times during the game, including it looks like a glass bottle being thrown at Bournemouth. Yeah, bottles, lighters, all kinds of objects. But you know what? It's not my business. It's down to Hibbs to deal with that. It's down for Jack Ross to talk about that. But um, we don't want to see that at any stadium because we want the players to be safe and um, we want the fans to be safe. But. That's not for me to get involved in, that's Hibs's business. We, we've spoke to our players on numerous occasions to, to try and keep the cool in that situation and I'm very pleased with my players' behaviour throughout the game, uh, performance-wise and how they handled the, the situation, so very pleased. I mean, Hugh Keevans, this is not to take anything away from it, this is our problem. We, we, we love the game, so we need to criticise the game yeah. when it needs criticised and we need to deal with it. I, you've watched a lot more football than I have Are we in a worse place now Than we ever have been With this stuff Or is it highlighted more Is the increased television coverage I noticed Was it the Manchester Derby A few weeks ago One of the most yeah. high profile games In the world yeah. I think it was at Fred Goes over to take the corner Pelted with objects as well It seems Widespread at the moment But is that just because Of the The increased Level of scrutiny When I was a child Bottle throwing Was commonplace At football matches uh, The the Rangers Celtic Or Celtic Rangers fix it In particular it was commonplace. They would rain down on fellow supporters because there was no way a bottle thrown from the back of the Celtic end or the Rangers end of either ground was going to get onto the pitch. Drink was allowed into the stadiums. Bottle throwing was commonplace. Over 100 arrests per game was commonplace at old firm matches. Uh, and it was a totally uncivilised atmosphere. We got rid of it. Now it's coming back, not in as big a way as it was in the 1950s, but it's back and there are other problems that everyone knows about inside football grounds with regard to drunk taking as well. So we do have society's problems inside our football grounds. I have sympathy with the clubs. Jack Ross spoke as a human being. That was a great way to put it. But hymns have a problem. Hearts have a problem. And these clubs are going to have to address those problems because we can debate it all day long but fans always say why are we being criminalised and why can't we have drink inside our football grounds the way they have in England why have we had the Criminal Justice Scotland Act for 40 years Easter Road last night is your reason why Fraser Wisher yet again the subject of strict liability will raise its head because everyone wants this to stop and you're looking at football clubs to say right more responsibility needs to be taken so that's on one hand on the other hand, we've seen plenty of games under UEFA's governance this season. They have strict liability for things like flares. It doesn't stop them because every game we see more flares. So that, in, in, in that type of incident, strict liability does not stop the use of flares. Would it stop the, the type of incident we saw last night? Well, well, the argument I put up is that what we've got just now isn't stopping it. So I think we exactly, need to look yeah. at something as... As a game of football, you know, so, uh, and I've been in meetings with the Justice Minister, um, Hamza Youssef, and clubs and the Scottish FA, and of course clubs are, are reluctant because they're the ones on the receiving end of it, they're going to start punishing them, I don't know if it's fines or whatever else, or closing grounds, and nobody really wants to see that, but my concern is that 
if football doesn't move and change with the times and, and try to do something in terms of a kind of form of strict liability is a horrible word, but some kind of some kind of system where, where there's almost a yellow card and a warning system for clubs and supporters, then uh, the government's going to step in because we've seen every one of us knows local pubs where there's trouble and there's bottle thrown, there's fighting, and, and they lose their license to, to operate for a short space of time. And that's my concern is that government then steps in and football loses control of its of its own rules and regulations, and that is a possibility if things don't stop because. You know, the, 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 we've got a nationalist government. They don't like to see the Scottish nation portrayed in newspapers across the world and across the UK with bot- the, the game with bottle throwing, sectarian singing, racist singing, light- lighters being thrown, etc., etc. So it is a worry, and that might happen if we don't stop doing this. Uh, these, these acts of violence towards players. Okay, let's park that for a while because we've got some fantastic football to look forward to. There is a lot to like about the game. I know it doesn't seem like it at times, but we've got some big games to build up to, and we'll go back around the grounds next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Getting you full compensation is their goal. Talk to Thompson's.com. Celtic Aberdeen, Hamilton Hearts, Kilmarnock, Motherwell, St Johnson, St Mirren, and Livy Ross County. Those are your Premiership games today. They are 15 minutes away. So let's go back around the grounds and get a flavour of what's going on. Kilmarnock against Motherwell would be an interesting football game anyway, Fraser. But with now the added element of the managerial situation As you referenced earlier on This week alone in the show We've had one Kilmarnock fan saying he was ashamed To be a Kilmarnock fan After the decision to get rid of Angelo Alessio We've had another saying he was meant to go to the game today But this has put him off So there's a real depth of feeling there About what's going on Is this part of an addition for Alex Dyer? Does he want it? Would Kilmarnock want him? How do you see it playing out? I think Alex Dyer makes perfect sense. You know, when you look back over Kilmarnock's year and you go back 12 months, they were absolutely flying, and Steve Clark took them to third, uh, and they were in Europe with a good draw against Connors Key, and everything's looking rosy. And of course, then Steve leaves, goes to Scotland. Angel Lesser appointed, lose to Connors Key in the UEFA Cup, and since then there's just been something around Kilmarnock that's just not quite, not quite been right. You know, and you're right, supporters, and even even a couple of fans have stopped in the, in the streets and, and you're chatting to them, and they're a wee bit confused and disappointed. But you know something. <laughs> Fans get over it, players get sacked, players get, get get freed, get sold, managers get moved on, the fans make a protest, a commander win today, nobody will be, nobody will be bothered at the end of, uh, end of the, the 90 minutes here, but for me Alec Dyer makes perfect sense, You know, he, there's not a lot wrong with Kilmarnock, and he was a big part of the success, because he took a lot of the training, a lot of the coaching, the, the link between the, the, the players and the manager when Steve Clark was here, so yeah, for, for me if he wants it, I would give it to him, because uh, he's a very approachable guy, the players do like him, they know his style, he knows their style. So the club's sitting in not a bad position. It's not as if they're sitting bottom of the league adrift. They need somebody to come in and change it radically. Just keep things ticking over. So for me, if he wants it, I would give it to him straight away. Let's hear from the man himself. Well, we need to win a game, which is obviously, you know, and also just to get the boys running and chasing and, and working hard again, you know, and and putting a mark down like we used to. You know, everyone used to come here and they know it's going to be a hard game. We're just going to do that again. We went through that last season for a little period where we didn't win for seven games. You know, it happens in a, in a season. you just got to make sure you're back on track and, and get to that point as soon as possible, you know? So it does happen. It doesn't matter. All good teams go through a period in the season where things don't work out. You know, and this is our point. So he's up against Stephen Robinson today who's on the lookout for a new striker. He says Devante Cole will be going back to Wigan in January. He's on the bench today. These are the pre-match thoughts of the Motherwell boss. Very surprised, you know. I, I don't know the the inside of Kilmarnock or or what goes on there. Not my business, but you know, it's always it's always disappointing to see a manager lose his job. 
you know, they're sitting fifth in the table, so it didn't seem to be too much the matter there. But um, that's football, isn't it? The crazy world of football that we're in. So, um, yeah, it does, it changes the parameters slightly. Obviously, uh, I know Alex well as well, worked under Steve, and, you know, perhaps it might be a slightly different approach, but, you know, the, it doesn't change the players, it doesn't change the personnel. There can't be wholesale changes, you know, obviously in, in four or five days. So, again, as I always try and do, we try and impose our game, our way of playing and, and our attacking style on them. The incentive for Motherwell is quite clear. Fraser managers always say we just focus on ourselves, but we don't have to do that. So most people would anticipate Aberdeen losing at Celtic Park. Victory for Motherwell would then see them go back above Aberdeen and into third. In fact, even a point for Motherwell coupled with an Aberdeen defeat would see Motherwell go back into third. Yeah, and they've been terrific all season. So you're right, he's looking up the way and, and looking at third place. But also, if they win today, they go, they go I think, 11 points ahead of Kilmarnock with the team below them. So so that that gives them that gap and that cushion and Kilmarnock go and play, uh, play Rangers in, in, in midweek as well. So this could be a very nice end to this, uh, the, the year for Motherwell. And, and I think they will win it. I think they've got something about them. I think they've just got the pace in the right areas. We've got Hilton James Scott will come in off one side and he's scoring some fantastic goals just for long looks like he's settling in as well strong in the midfield I think it'll be very tight but for me I think Muller will win that and go back into third place uh, The Battle of the Saints in Perth St Johnston against St Mirren Dave Galloway scoring goals for the Perth Saints is a bit of a problem they are the lowest goal scorers in the division and it goes without saying if you can't solve that you're, you're bound to be struggling yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they also took a, a, a sore one um, last month, remember, with a, a 4-0 hiding from Motherwell. They have responded well um, from that. That's created a little bit of a, a feel-good factor. They go into this one on the back of a 1-0 win at Hearts um, last weekend. St Mirren, on the other hand, well, they certainly have been scoring goals, haven't they? Four in the previous two matches. They, they showed really good character as well last weekend to come back from, from 3-1 down to Livingston to get a 3-3 a, a draw. And also their injury problems, which have beset them at various times this season, they look to have pretty much uh, cleared up. So in both camps today, it's fair to say, Gordon, there's a feel-good factor building. And sometimes, you you just... You can't beat the timing on this show We're talking about St Johnston goal scorers St Johnston strikers And former St Johnston striker Tony Watts Sends a message to say that he's back for Christmas And he's got super scoreboard on Just to give him that wee feeling of home At the festive time of year Well St Johnston could probably do with Tony today It's a, a case of a poor home record Versus a poor away record St Mirren have won just once on the road this season St Johnston have won just twice At home this season But I fancy St Johnson to sneak it With or without Tony Watt Hamilton Hearts is an interesting one in South Lanarkshire mm. Roger Hanna The fact that Naismith, Eek Piatsu are both back And they're up there with Stephen McLean In amongst all the doom and gloom All the misery Might the Hearts fans just find a bit of optimism Within that Roger Because those three haven't started many games together Due to injuries and various other factors But most of the games they do start together Hearts tend to win yeah, I would agree with that. I'll be interested to hear the boys act is at a minute past three o'clock because I know he's out here to Hamilton today. I just couldn't decide in my own mind what I thought was going to happen today. Naismith could be make the difference if he's fit. I'm actually quite surprised he's starting the game on this synthetic surface out here at Hamilton after the injury problems that he's had. But he could be the difference for Hearts today between a win 
or a defeat that would leave them isolated at the bottom of the Premiership ahead of an Edinburgh derby on Thursday that is uh, not going to be for the faint-hearted, Gordon. Yeah, and so much focus about the Tynecastle form, Roger, because it, it used to be a fortress. It always went down as a really difficult place to go. Hearts not only have fallen below that, they have the worst home record in the league. So I know it's the plastic pitch and all the rest of it, but I wonder if they're actually... Slightly relieved if that's the right word to be away from Tynecastle this afternoon. Uh, listen, you might be correct. Um, they've got a mixed record here. They lost, as I said, last time out here in March. But I saw them the first day of last season scoring four here, and it was McLean and Nick Piazza that really did make the difference that day. So Daniel Stendhal is going to have to get a result sometime, Gordon, and he'll be hoping it, it uh, you know, is out here today. Doesn't have Christoph Berra at the back. You wonder if that maybe balances off the return of Naismith. Um, I'm not sure how this back four is going to line up with us, Sean Clay will stay at right back as he was when he came on against Celtic on Wednesday night Eddie White's back in the team so does he go to left back does Hickey go across to the right is it the versatile Michael Smith in with Craig Halkett at the back so when they're up against George Oakley who scored twice at Tynecastle in the game at the end of August I think it was and up against big Steve Davis who's a, you know, a unit and can trouble centre-half just with his physicality Gordon be interesting to see that end of the pitch as well but as quite often you see in the Premiership I saw it at Dingwall last week the first goal is so important in these games the scene is well and truly set we've got some great fixtures to look forward to the festive fixtures well and truly getting underway this week we're building up to Hamilton Hearts Kilmarnock Motherwell St Johnston St Mirren Livy Ross County the big one in the east end of Glasgow is Celtic against Aberdeen and we'll go back there for kick off next Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors the league leader for compensation talk to thompsons.com Welcome back to Celtic Park. Gordon Hale here with me, Andrew McLean, as we build up to kick-off between Celtic and Aberdeen. I'll give you a run-through of the team news. It's one change for Celtic. Out goes Johnny Hayes and in comes Bolly, Ball and Golly. So it's a 4-2-3-1 for them. Fraser Forster starting in goal. A back four of Jeremy Frimpong, Christopher Julian, Christopher Ayer and Bolly, Ball and Golly. Scott Brown and Callum McGregor, the holding midfielders with Ryan Christie, Olivier Cham and James Forrest in behind Odson Edward. The substitutes, Gordon Taylor, Beaton, Rogic, Johnston, Bayo and Griffiths. As for Aberdeen, two changes from that 1-0 win over Hamilton. Viner and Considine come in for Lee and Hedges. A 4-3-3 for them. Joe Lewis starts in goal. A back four of Shea Logan, Ash Taylor, Scott McKenna and Andy Considine. Lewis Ferguson, Zach Viner and Funzo Ojo are the midfield three with James Wilson and Niall McGinn either side of Sam Cosgrove. The substitutes, Cherney, Devlin, Campbell, Gallagher, Hedges, McLennan and Main. The referee here at Celtic Park is Ewan Anderson. Gordon Diel looking ahead to this game as the players make their way out the tunnel. The big conundrum for... Aberdeen coming into this one is how do you stop Celtic here at Celtic Park because they create so many chances and if it's not Odson Edward it's Ryan Christie if it's not Christie it's Forrest if it's not yeah. Forrest it's your man Jeremy Frimpong it's a tough task well I think uh, a lot of managers come here and say how do we stop Celtic sometimes you can't do it because they've got better quality and if they're up for it Andrew if they're on the front foot and they're moving the ball quickly especially at Celtic Park they just cut you open they've got too many quality players all over the pitch now, usually they play with El Yanusha. I like this new look with Encham just playing in that num- number 10. Christie plays off one side, Forrest off the other, and then their main man, Edward, up the front. I just think it makes them look stronger for some reason. Um, I like El Yanusha. I think he's a terrific player. But Encham, to me, brings something to Celtic. I know there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the season about him not being happy. He's maybe wanting to leave the club. Neil Lennon, I thought, handled that situation brilliantly well and it's shown now because I think he's starting to produce 
he's a top top quality player and I think he brings something to Celtic and I think we'll see that today because Celtic had that game midweek against Hearts and they extended the gap to, to five points it's now back down to two but can make it five again today how much of an advantage is that over your rivals when, when you've got that that you can you play the game extra you can get the points on the board ahead of Rangers but this season being so important the players it, it gives them an, an extra edge every time they come out Andrew and that's why I'm saying I don't see anybody uh, beating Celtic here apart from an, op uh, an opportunity for Rangers I think Rangers are the closest I think who's right when you look at take Celtic Rangers away I think the other teams are you know they're all the same par for me they're not at the level of Celtic and Rangers when they want to play especially Celtic the champions even when they're below par like we watched in the cup final they go out to get the job done I just think if you look at them with a pace I've got, the two uh, full backs will get up and down. Brown and McGregor will sit there and dictate what happens in the middle of part. And that front four, as Neil Lennon calls them, I just think it's full of quality. And you'd think if Aberdeen are to do anything here at Celtic Park today, it'll all come down to how Sam Cosgrove does in that battle with Julian and I are up front. Well, you can only you can only put the ball in the back of net if you get the service. So as much as Cosgrove is a threat, he's a big lad there, he's got to get the service. Don't get that, then Aberdeen are in trouble. James Wilson standing over the ball. Celtic against Aberdeen at Celtic Park. Just about to kick off. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. The league leader for compensation. Talk to Thompson's.com. It is full time. The first one in the Premiership is at Rugby Park. Kilmarnock and Motherwell is done and it's been watched by Fraser Wishart. Kilmarnock nil, Motherwell won. A goal to win any game from left back Jake Carroll with a free kick in the second half has got them all three points although Mother did survive a late onslaught for Kilmarnock who tried to get up but it was well deserved three points for the Steelmen nothing, to worth, nothing worth talking about in a poor first 45 minutes when neither same managed a shot on goal we hope for better in the second half and it was immediately El McCreaney they had to hammer line and cross into Mark Gillespie's arms and then he set up McKenzie who blazed over and should have done better at the other end lot Christopher Long had the ball in the back of the net. It was a Jermaine Hilton shot. It was saved by Brunescu. It scrummed from his grasp and Long funneled the ball over the bar, over the line, sorry, but the linesman gave him offside. James Scott then broke through a couple of challenges on the right-hand side of the Excellent low left-foot shot and it was pushed away by Brunescu. But no surprise when Mother scored what proved to be the winning goal in 67 minutes. Next Kilmarnock midfield player, Mark O'Hara, fouled by El McCreaney, 25 yards out. In the central area of the park, upstep left back Jake Carroll to swing the ball into the top right-hand corner with his left foot. Keeper Vanescu didn't even move, but Kelly reacted well to going behind. Chris Burke forcing an excellent save from Mark Gillespie with a free kick when everybody expected a cross. And then in 79th minute, a great chance to equalise. Burke and O'Donnell combined really well on the right-hand side. O'Donnell pulled the ball back to Brophy, 12 yards out. You expect the striker to score, but he blazed over the bar. And two minutes later, Brophy again denied this time, but by a brilliant save by Mark Gillespie. Excellent turn in the box by Brophy, and he's... Uh, the goalkeeper stuck out a hand low to his right hand side to turn away the fierce shot Kelly really pushing for the equaliser towards the end but on 90 minutes Liam Polar should have done better he broke through 1-1 with the goalkeeper he was denied by Bernescu's foot and on the break to steal the points but Mullow saw the game out but had to thank Mark Gillespie for another save right on the final whistle from Stephen O'Donnell shot Mullow into third spot on the table for Christmas it's been an excellent season so far and my super scoreboard man of the match is Jake Carroll not only for his goal but in a disappointing match he defended really well against Kelly man Chris Buck full time at Rugby Park come on up now Motherwell won important three points for Stephen Robinson if things stay the way they are at Celtic Park uh, Mother will definitely go back into third even if Aberdeen find an equaliser Mother would go back into third 
We said this a few weeks ago Gordon The importance of beating teams In and around about you And they do it brilliantly And that's the reason why They're in third place Yeah Hugh Another good three points Obviously yeah. the, the winning run Came to an end Last week Rangers beat them There's clearly no disgrace in that But Stephen Robinson Just continuing to pick up Three points in these types of fixtures Yeah yeah I mean He's done a marvellous job From the day and hour He became the Motherwell manager He has been uh, A real Find for the club And good luck to him But for Kilmarnock For Billy Bowie The owner uh, Things are now In a confused state Because He's going to have to Come up with The right man Alessio He brought in And praised To the heavens And then he fired them And no one knows Exactly why he fired them Now Does Alec Dyer Even want the job Are they Looking at Peter Lovenkrantz Or Ali McCoyst Or Gary Holt Who's had a big Big result today For Livingston what of thinking for Billy Bowie to do? Still nothing in the way of other full-time whistles I thought we would have a few more by now So that game at Rugby Park is the only one that's done And now it's done at Celtic Park Let's get the story with Gordon DL And first Andrew McLean Celtic 2, Aberdeen 1 The full-time score from Celtic Park As the home side restore their five-point lead At the top of the table Thanks to a winner from Odson Edward Christopher Julian nearly put Celtic in front early on After he hit the bar from a corner And from the next corner he put Celtic ahead It came in low, not the cleanest contact But it bounced into the ground And looked up towards the top corner With Joe Lewis unable to keep it out Odson Edward then had a couple of efforts The first saved by Joe Lewis And a few minutes later one was deflected wide Aberdeen then hit Celtic with a sucker punch Ten minutes before the break Nyam again floated in across from the right hand side and Sam Cosgrove rose high at the back post and headed in for one all just before the break there was big claims for a Celtic penalty it looked as if Ewan Anderson made the right call though when he waved away those claims Celtic had a bright start to the second half and tested Joe Lewis a couple of times before they went back in front Ryan Christie threading the ball through to Odds and Edward in the box and it was a cool finish into the bottom corner for the Frenchman for 2-1 Aberdeen might have felt they could have tried to push for another equaliser but a moment of madness from Sam Cosgrove effectively ended those hopes Christopher Ayer was running towards the, the corner he had the ball but Sam Cosgrove came steaming in he left the ground he did get the ball but he followed through and was given a straight red card for it Neil Lennon's side then saw the game out pretty comfortably after that despite Aberdeen trying to press in injury time the full time score from Celtic Park is Celtic 2 Aberdeen 1 Gordon DL it could have been a scare for Celtic when Cosgrove's goal went in but they dealt with it well in the second half yeah I think the spotlight will probably go on the referee this afternoon which is a shame because Aberdeen came here with a game plan to make it very difficult and they did that because they get everybody behind the ball Celtic go off to a great start and then they get back into the game with Sam Cosgrove I just think that uh, the best team won, Andrew. I know it wasn't vintage Celtic, it wasn't their usual passing and moving, but they created a, a, you know, a lot of half chances, they dominated a lot of the game. In fact, if you look at the second half, I don't think Fraser Foster had a safe to make. Uh, so it shows you how much possession they had. I think Neil Lennon will be delighted with three points. Talking point, was it a sending off? Yes, I do think in the modern day game it is a sending off. I don't know why he's making that tackle. I really don't. Lack of discipline. And when you're at Celtic Park and you're literally still in the game, you're only 2-1 down, you've got your top goal scorer who's already scored. Don't don't give the referee a decision to make. He makes it too easy. Derek McInnes is not happy down there. But I've got to say, I think Celtic thoroughly deserved their uh, victory. And for me, the man of the match today, super scoreboard man of the match, was Edward. Odson Edward wrapping up the three points for Celtic in their final game before Christmas. The full time score here Celtic 2, Aberdeen 1. It's also finished in Hamilton. Did we get a late equaliser from Hearts, Roger Hanna? We 
did not. Hamilton Aki's two hearts, one hearts of three points adrift at the foot of the Premiership table at Christmas. No wins and no points in three games under new boss Daniel Stendel. And another miserable display in Lanarkshire as Aki's climbed over them at the foot of the table. Mikel Miller and Will Collar were the second half goal heroes to give Brian Rice a first win in 12 games. But then Hearts had lost influential captain Stephen Naismith to yet another injury. Surely he's a doubt for the Edinburgh Derby on Thursday against Hibs. Naismith had looked as close as anyone to breaking the deadlock in the first half. He had a shot blocked after 17 minutes after good progress by Sean Clare. Then in 34 minutes he fired over the top after Stephen McLean and Uciek Piazzo had created space for him. A minute before the break, Naismith had a header deflected wide from Glenn Whelan's free kick in the night and then Hearts came as close as anyone in the first half to breaking the deadlock Craig Halcott up from the back a looping header over goalkeeper Luke Southwood it hit the face of the bar bounced down and was cleared away Naismith failed to return for the second half Jake Mulraney coming on in his place Mulraney the winger slashed the shot wide and then put a cross behind the goal it just summed up Hearts miserable second half display and more influential substitution was 63 minutes Stephen Davis had picked up a knock Rice sent on winger Lewis Smith and moved Miller up top alongside George Oakley and just a minute later Oakley was the provider for Miller to lash a shot high past Joel Pereira into the back of the net to give Aki's a deserved lead. Nine minutes later it was 2-0 Miller turning creator great determination down the left hand side found himself in the corner he managed to pick out a cross it was just too high for strike partner Oakley but there at the back post came in Kohler to squeeze a shot between goalkeeper Pereira and the far post. Hart sniffed a chance at rescuing a point seven minutes from the end substitute Oli Bazanich glancing ahead at home from Michael Smith's corner they did have a chance deep into six minutes of added time but Stephen McLean it came to him too quickly and it bounced up into the arms of goalkeeper Southwood just one win in 15 for the Jambos now ahead of Thursday's nerve shredding derby at St Castle against Hibs during that second half Loic Damour was subbed he's no one to blame but himself this time another dismal display by the French midfielder make no mistake Gordon Hearts are deep in the grip of a relegation battle what a job facing Stendhal and Ann Budge in the January transfer window to get new blood in and some of this dead wood out super scoreboard man in a match one goal one assist Michael Miller what a Christmas he's going to have Aki's two Hearts one St Johnston and St Mirren is finished in Perth Dave Galloway what happened up there? Well, not very much. St Johnston nil, St Mirren nil. The home side went close in the first minute. O'Halloran's well-struck shot from a tight angle beaten away by Hiladki and the ball was eventually cleared for a corner. An error from Kerr at the other end presented the visitors with an opening but uh, Obika's drive from the edge of the box was well saved by Clark. St Johnston really should have scored when O'Halloran raced clean through on goal but Hiladki came off his line to again block impressively. And St Mirren almost went ahead when McPherson's low drive was fingertipped round the post by Clark. A minute after the restart Booth's 30-yarder almost made it 1-0 to the host, the ball flashing just wide of goal, but just exactly as we saw with the first half after a strong start the game fell away and Gomoth action was in short supply Foley went close for St Mirren with a shot from distance parried by Clark. The visitors on top for quite large chunks of the second half, but the Perth men uh, threatened 
late on with May's drive being blocked. The loose ball fell to Wotherspoon and his angled shot was dealt with well by Hiladki. It finished St Johnston nil, St Mirren nil. My Clyde won a super scoreboard man of the match. Vaclav Hiladki made two good saves in the first half and another one in the second for the buddies. And now it's over to you. It is time to have your say on the open line. 01419511025 Celtic getting the job done at home to Aberdeen. How big a win is that Celtic fans? It restores the five point advantage. One more game in between and then you take on Rangers on the 29th. How important is that psychological advantage at the moment? What did you make of the game? Today, what about the refereeing decisions, the non-award of a penalty on Odson Edward, the red card shown to Sam Cosgrove? All the big talking points, share your feelings. 01419511025 right now. If you're just coming out of a game, it's the perfect time to get it off your chest. Hearts fans, just how bad is this? How serious is the threat of relegation as you lose again? Motherwell fans, back up to third. Are you dusting off the passports? Are you getting... New shorts for your holidays For your Christmas Because you think It's going to be Europe At the end of the season Let us know And St Mirren Not much to discuss in Perth But maybe you found something 01419511025 Call us now The open line is next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Road Accident Solicitors The compensation you deserve When you've been sidelined Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Keevans, Craig Beatty, Alex Ray and Gordon Dale are here and they're waiting on your call So if you're just out of a game or if you've been keeping an eye on the scores this afternoon Just tell us what's on your mind Were you happy with what you saw from your team today? Were you disappointed with what you saw from your team? What about any refereeing decisions, controversies? We had Friday night football as well and no shortage of talking points there A victory for Rangers, a comfortable one uh, much talked about red card for Ryan Porteous And a bottle thrown from the stands That was just last night Then we got on to this afternoon Lots of big talking points Celtic beating Aberdeen Motherwell back into third Hearts fans How much do you genuinely fear relegation? We're halfway through the season And you're bottom of the table So anything that's on your mind Let's hear it 0141 951 Hugh Keevan Sum it all up for us at the moment Well Celtic by all accounts Head and shoulders above Aberdeen should have won by a, a more exotic margin But it won't matter to Neil Lennon They are five points clear They will go to St Mirren Boxing Day And they have to believe That they will negotiate that game And go into the Rangers game No worse than five points better off than Rangers At the bottom I repeat And I will stand corrected if I'm wrong But I believe there's a possibility that unless this picks up for Daniel Stendhal He might not see out the season as Hearts manager Will you get your calls in? I'll recap the scores just to jog your memory So it's 01419511025 Don't hang about, get your thoughts over to us In the Premiership it finished Celtic 2, Aberdeen 1 Hamilton 2, Hearts 1 Kilmarnock 0, Motherwell 1 Livingston 4, Ross County 0 And St Johnston 0, St Mirren 0 In the Championship, Alloa 0, Morton 2 Dundee United 4, Air United 0 Inverness 2, Dunfermline 0 Partick Thistle 0, Dundee 1 And Queen of the South 2 are both nil In League 1 Clyde 3 Airdrie 1 Montrose 2 Falkirk 3 Peterhead 1 East 5 2 Wraith Rovers 0 Dumbarton 2 And Stranraer 2 4 for 4 In League 2 Albion Rovers 4 Annan 2 Cowden B 3 Stenhouse Muir 1 Elgin City 3 Brecon City 1 Queen's Park 1 Cove Rangers 3 And Stirling Albion 0 
Edinburgh City 1 In the English Premier League It finished Everton 0 Arsenal 0 Aston Villa 1 Southampton 3 Bournemouth 0 Burnley 1 Brighton 0 Sheffield United 1 Newcastle 1 Crystal Palace 0 And Norwich 1 Wolves 2 0141 951 1025 At Clyde SSB On Twitter Put your points to Alex Ray Craig Beattie Gordon DL And Hugh Kevins, it was a busy day of Scottish football What did you make of it? I think we've got the first call coming through It seems to be taking its time for some reason uh, Let's speak to Eddie in Curlook How are you tonight, Eddie? Hi guys Hi Eddie, what's on your mind after that win today? Uh, I was just I wasn't at the game, I was listening to it But uh, I, I was just thinking that Olivier Cham, I think he's a great player But he kind of disrupts the balance every time he's, he, he starts um, He seems to do great when he comes on as an impact player but I, I just there was something missing for the team when he's on for the start. Um, and that was my first point. It was to see what the panel thought. Gordon, you were at the game today. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I like him. I think he's a terrific player. But um, Neil Lennon decided to make that substitution. He brought uh, Mikey Johnston on the left wing. He put Forrest where I think Forrest should be playing, out in the right. Uh, Mikey Johnston, I thought, looked terrific. Looked very lively, looked very sharp. I just think it was one of those games, Gordon, today. You know, Aberdeen frustrated Celtic. They got everyone behind the ball. They made it very difficult. They get back in the game. They had something to hold on to. Um, <clears throat> and I just think it wasn't his best game. But I can understand why Neil Lennon's trying to get him into the side. But it's going to be interesting next week. I know that they've obviously got games in Boxing Day, but the big one's next week here. Uh, how Neil Lennon lines up It'll really be interesting I just think Encham brings something But the caller's right The balance isn't there Because Christie plays out on the right hand side And he doesn't look comfortable Forrest plays on the left I don't think that's his best position But they've played that system before Gordon It's been successful And let's face it At the end of the day they still win the game They mm. won the game 2-1 and 3 points Is that your hope Eddie that Olivia um Mikey Johnson or Mohamed El Yunusi get to a level of match sharpness that actually one of them goes in there on the left and it, it gives that more natural balance. Is that what you're hoping to move towards in the next couple of weeks? Definitely. I think if, if we go full strength, with, just as you were saying, El Yunusi or Johnson in the left, um, going into the old firm game, I think we'll be unstoppable. What about the bigger picture, Eddie, in terms of we know that Celtic have played one more than Rangers. That's what allows for that that five point gap you've both got games on Boxing Day then you meet on the 29th do you think it does it really give Celtic a psychological advantage as some people are, are pointing out or how much do you buy into that side of things well that was going to be my second point um, if Celtic managed to negotiate St Marin, which in paper we should uh, get the three points but stranger things have happened as we've seen at Livingston but my, my, my question was going to be if we managed to get the three points and go into the game at Parkhead with the five point lead does that does that benefit us or does that make it harder for Steven Gerrard I don't know I would feel more comfortable going in that position I think um, Neil Lennon's got the right uh, he's got the right idea and the way, he's, the way he's negotiated these tricky few games If Celtic win five points clear obviously the Celtic supporters go there smelling blood and they think an eight point lead and you know, it'd be an awful long way back for Rangers after that. However, the one thing that keeps coming back to me, the Betfred Cup final, Fraser Forster gave a goalkeeping masterclass. Alfredo Morelos missed a sack full of chances at the same time. 
Rangers bossed the game Pretty much from start to finish And they are the equal of Celtic If they both bring their A game to the table Rangers are the equal of Celtic And could not be written off at Celtic Park Yeah, Gordon Yeah Just a wee bit breaking news here I don't know if Celtic have got injury problems But they're all out doing a training session and there's a guy with a tammy on doing laps of the pitch and it's actually the Celtic manager, Neil Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I don't know if he's looking to Listen, be fit for next week's game. You've got to make a bit of room for the turkey and the trimmings, don't you, this time well, of year? You've well, got to clear I'm a bit of room. I, I, do you know, I looked and I thought, is that Neil Lennon? With my sore hip, I think I can well, give him 10 yards. Well, hold on a minute. I just hope he's he either hurries up and gets into the press conference <laughs> or he's done it already. He's doing 5K. Oh dear me He's, he's going to be here He even wants to hear his thoughts <laughs> well, Christmas lights we'll, we'll keep an eye On that one Thank you to Eddie <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Eddie And Carluk uh, Giving us his initial thoughts Some points that are Sort of backed up really yeah. uh, By Tony on Twitter Who says it was a good Three points I'd like us to be A bit more ruthless In front of goal We should be taking A higher percentage Of chances we create And Lenny He's not on about the running He says stop this forest on the left nonsense uh, And I think this feeds into what Peter in the city centre wants to discuss as well Peter, is that right? That's correct, yeah On you go Aye, well I just, you know, I've been at the game on my way back and I know Gordon was at the game there But, um, you know, I just think it, it takes a balance away from the team I think forest is natural on the right hand side It looks anything but natural on the left hand side And I think also it nullifies Christie Because we move Christie from the middle out to the right and then and Cham comes in there who's a different player for Christie you know he kind of plays all about the midfield whereas Christie's quite direct playing more or less in front of Brown and McGregor and I think we lose a bit of shape um, when we put Frost over the left I know what Neil Lennon's saying but you know what he actually changed it in the second half and it did make a difference Gordon well, I th- Mikey I Johnson thought, came on didn't I, he did I, he make an impact yeah yeah, he certainly did um, Gordon I've got to say he looked as sharp as I've ever seen him. He looked like a boy that thought, do you know what, here's an opportunity for me to get back in the side. Because he started the season, he started the goals against St Johnston. I sat here after about four minutes to begin the season when they won 7-0. And it was him that scored the first goal, unfortunately. Boy got injured. El Yanusik was in there. You know, Morgan's been playing there. They've, they've swapped about. See, the, the, the big thing is, I know that Celtic fans are saying about the, the shape. And I do agree with that. There's nothing better for a team to get shaped. But Neil Lennon sees and Cham as a big player. They're still, it's not like they're not winning games. It's not like they're not creating chances. They certainly are. But Neil looked at it this afternoon and thought, I need something else. I need a bit of width. I need to get people in the right positions. Square pegs and round holes. And I hope Andy Little's listening. He might learn about that. And what happened was he stuck Forrest out in the right. He stuck Mikey Johnston in the left and he stuck Christian behind Edward. And all of a sudden, it started to work because Johnston made an impact. But I don't think that Neil Lennon will be frightened to say, do you know what, I'll go with the same mm. three behind Edward again. Because they still create chances. As I keep saying to you, once again, I've sat here at Celtic Park and I know Aberdeen went 1-1. I understand that. But at no time did I look at this game and think, Aberdeen are going to win this if we talk about result being key, Peter, Neil Lennon would be well within his rights to point out that Celtic have won again. They go five points clear today. The chance to add to that come the end of the month. He might say, well, the shape is not that bad. There can't be that much wrong with it. How would you respond? Well, I think they won the game, though, because he changed it. Okay. You know, And I think that for me, it's a direct replacement. It's either Cham or Christie in the middle. 
I don't think he should move Forrest. And, and I think exactly what Gordon said there. I thought when Johnson came on, he certainly was like a, a breath of fresh air. Very sharp, looked good on the ball. And, and, and I think Ball and Golly down the left actually had a good game today as well. So he was a good out for Celtic a lot of the time. Um, so I think, again, with somebody that's on the left, having Forrest on the right gives us real width. Um, I don't think Christie gives us that. There's a lot of times when the right-hand side was empty and Frimpong was actually going into the right-hand side because we didn't have a natural in there in the forest. If you have to make a lot of changes and interfere with the balance of the team in order to accommodate one man, then for me, better to have that one man act as the impact sub, which he's capable of doing, Olivier and Sham. Um, to have Forrest on the wrong side of the park, to lose the full effect of Christie, yeah. I'm not sure it's but worth see, it. See, from a tactical yeah, point of view. I think you're missing the point here. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm sitting watching the game. I totally understand with this shape thing, right? I I get it. I've been in the game. I've been a manager. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. About, it's about they still created chances. They, they, if if Edward's in fire today, he's probably getting he's grabbing a hat trick. So for the defence of Neil Lennon putting in Cham in there. It's not like it's upsetting that they're not creating chances, they're not doing that. Substitutes are about making a difference. <clears throat> yes, Mikey Johnson come on today, made a difference because all of a sudden he looked lively, he got the ball, he changed the shape round about. Now, you could start with that shape and it couldn't work and then Cham could come on and then change it about. So, it's, it's how Neil Lennon sees the game. I wouldn't be too concerned about the shape of the team just now because they're five points clear. They dominated 90-odd percent of this game this afternoon. Gordon, this, this is where we've seen Celtic being really successful for me over the last few years and it started with, with the likes of Sinclair and Tierney, with, with Scott Sinclair being right-footed on the left-hand side, coming inside, and all of a sudden you've gone from having one attacking option, you've now got Tierney on the overlap creating more of an attacking option. So uh, do you think Neil's trying to do that with, with Forrest on the right in order to get Bolingo? Because that's Bolingo's strengths is attacking from, from the deeper area. Yeah, well, uh, Bolingoli actually played okay today. I've got to say, he got forward well. He, he was the his use of the ball was very good. I just think that I wouldn't be too carried away with the shape, Craig. I think that you've got to look at this. This time, it's all about results. Remember, Aberdeen are sitting in third. It was always going to be difficult. Derek would come here with a game plan, make it very hard. They've got a guy up front who's banging in goals for fun. Scored today, so it was always going to be a mm. difficult game. But Forget shape, they still created chances, they still controlled the game, and on another day, would they probably beat Aberdeen by two or three? But did they get better when they brought Mikey Johnson on? Though? That's all Peter's trying to say, he's not saying he's overly concerned, but he thinks, yeah, did, and you, you admitted it yourself, you thought he made a difference. I th yes, but that's what the substitutes are there for. It's as simple as that, if the game isn't going to plan, and it's difficult, bring a substitute on, change the shape about, and will it make an impact? Yes, it did. There's no doubt in that. So well, maybe not, start that, that way. But, but that's not... Well, I'm just going to get to there, Gordon, if you let me. <laughs> that's not to say that next week against Rangers, you start that way and it guarantees you that yeah. you're going to blow Rangers away. I'm, uh, sorry, you were just taking a while to get there. I thought I'd just try and sorry, hurry you on. Well, um, Gordon, you were like Neil Lennon going round the side of the pitch there. We're talking kind of... We're verging on talking a wee bit negative about Celtic yeah. at the minute. Like, right. the, the, the callers have initiated it though. I actually crossed my mind. Listen, I, if if I, you even said opened at five o'clock and I said if, Celtic won, but I'm worried about the shape. Yeah, listen, if Peter, were you at the match today? Yes, I was. I. Yeah, good. Well, I, I had said during the match that that's now ten uh, wins straight in the league for Celtic. 
And 15 out of 16 And the only one they didn't win was Cluj Where obviously there was, there was vast changes Because they were already qualified So won the cup final Beating Lazio Beating Rennes involved in that And you know the first couple of calls Have been ah, we, we should have scored more goals Or tactically I'm not too sure I'm not sure about him You know Questioning where Neil Lennon's picking his no, players And it's looking honest, pretty ominous For the rest of Scotland really When he gets point. it right my point here simply is that Forrest is nullified. Forrest is a big player for us, one of the first names in the team sheet. And it's quite evident that he isn't playing the way he does on the left-hand side as he does on the right. So therefore, mm. we're trying to accommodate somebody either in Christie or Cham in the middle in order to then make Forrest the guy on the left-hand side to accommodate the right wing for somebody, be it Christie today. And I just think that, that we're losing a player. Forrest had a better game when the, when, when the switch came on. Forgetting about Mikey Johnson, the impact he made. Forrest himself had a better game, had a shot at goal, which he didn't have in the first half. Hardly anything in the first half, to be honest with you. But, um, but I think in the second half, we, we need him on the right-hand side. He's a big player for us. OK, Peter, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Uh, Pink Bacon is on, though. He says, great result, good performance from Celtic. Get all your negativity to... And then that word that we thought Alex Ray said yeah. uh, about 20 minutes ago on the show. No, never mind. Um, so, yeah, so listen... People are well within their rights to, to want to keep the standards high. It's all right to look. It's not, as I say, the, the argument culture. It's not negativity. It is people with conflicting views. And Mr. Bacon uh, is taking issue with his fellow Celtic Let's supporters. speak to Stephen and Bishop Briggs before we have a breather. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Gordon. How did you make it? Away away from the game? I, no, I thought Celtic played really well. I don't know what negativities are out to be honest. Um, we controlled the game really well. I'd be interested to hear what Gordon thought about the penalty decisions in the first half. Yeah, yeah well, I, I said that at the beginning when I, I watched it, I thought, well, oh, that could be a penalty kick. i seen it at half-time, and I've got to say, I think the ref got that one correct. You I think, think the, handball, the, the Scott McKenna handball was a penalty? Yeah, um, penalty. well, yeah, once again, you've got... It's OK, the referee's got a great position of it. We're up yeah. here... It looks like it does hit his hand, but I don't see a lot of Celtic players really, you know, going for a referee saying it's a definite penalty, and, he, and he's called it. Um, once again, you'd need to sit and have another look at it, but no, yeah. I, 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 when I seen it, I never thought that's a stonewall penalty. But um, you're going back to, I think Celtic won the game comfortably. Good, Gordon, just, I was trying to cut in there, just before the last caller he was saying about James Forrest going to the right-hand side. When he changed his shape and Forrest went to right, Johnson went to left, 10, 15 minutes later, he subbed Forrest. Hmm. You know uh, what I mean? Right, I just don't, let's not go over all ground too much at the moment because Stephen's on about the ref. What about the red card, Gordon? I've seen a clip of it, which is... Yeah, does, doesn't. Yeah, I mean, some tackles look a lot worse when you slow them down, Gordon. But I wonder if this one, a bit like the Ryan Portis last night, I imagine, you can tell me if I'm wrong because you were there, it probably looks worse actually at full speed because that's when you see the, the force with which it was impact, applied. Yeah. Is that... Yeah. Is that the thing that you think's caught the referee's eye? Yeah, Gordon Ayer does absolutely brilliant and he's got in the corner. Cosgrove's 20 yards away, 15, 20 yards away and he goes at such a pace and I think that's what the problem is. He goes in, yes, he gets a ball but it's the way he goes... He, he, the minute I, I, I looked at it, I thought, that's a red card, he's off. He's off the pitch and people think, well, he got the ball. And we all agree, in our days, playing years and years ago, that, that would have got applauded, that would have been a fantastic tackle. But the modern day law is, that is a red card. The pace he actually went in it. And you could actually, 
how do you describe it? You could actually see that he was going in there to say, I'm really going to make my authority, I'm going to stamp my authority here. And I think it is a red card. I don't mm. think you can argue with that in the modern day. Stephen, what did you think? No, 100% red card. It looked like he lost it. It looked like he was frustrated that Ayer made that tackle and made up so much ground on him. And he just saw red for a minute because even after he got sent off, he was still pushing and shoving Scott Brown and some of the Celtic players and it was all about handbags. And I think that just came from a moment of madness. We've seen it before from him. So it didn't really come as much of a shock. But yeah, a definite red card. I don't know. The referee couldn't have not gave it. It was so clear. All right, Stephen and Bishop Briggs, thank you very much for the call. Hopefully speak to you soon. 01419511025. What about last night? Any lingering thoughts from that one? The performance, the other red card, the Ryan Portis one objects thrown from the stand. Uh, it was a, a very controversial night in the capital. What about you other fans as well? Motherwell up to third. Are you starting to dream of Europe? Or are you keeping your, your expectations in check on that one? Hearts fans, I know it's a tough time for you. I know you don't want to, to speak to anyone. But are you seriously in a relegation fight? You're bottom and it's the midway point of the season. Tell us 0141-951-1025 and we'll start to hear from today's managers next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. The league leader for compensation. Talk to Thompson's.com. Hugh Keevans, Craig Beattie, Alex Ray and Gordon DL here to take your calls. It's your chance to have your say on today's football or this weekend's football. We are on Twitter as well at Clyde SSB. Paul C is on He says Aberdeen got one chance And scored On another day Celtic would have scored Half a dozen I think we should let the manager Pick the team And the shape I think you're right Paul I don't think anyone else should pick But it's alright to have an opinion um, Jamie says Going up to the winter break Celtic should have Brown McGregor Christie On either side of Christie We need Forrest on the right Johnson on the left And Edward through the middle That's the take of Jamie on Twitter And Raffles as well Says Stonewall red card Cosgrove wipes him out Getting the ball Doesn't allow you to fill Someone after Nothing controversial About it There we go uh, 01419511025 On the phones It's at Clyde SSB On Twitter As well So get in touch We're going to start hearing From today's managers Very soon Just as soon as they get Their act together And get into the press conference Thomas is in Domarnock Hi Thomas How you doing lads? Not too bad How are you? Uh, no bad uh, I watched the Rangers game Last night mm-hmm. And obviously, Rangers played very well, deservedly won the match. But once again, it seems to be Rangers players. I know it's some, uh, there's an incident there as well with Celtic playing with the bottle. But people are saying about things will need to be done. Well, it's probably time to close some of the, the grounds if they're going to do it. I know the points deduction won't work because then you would end up getting people throwing things at the games anyway to get points to coffee teams but probably should just close the grounds for some of these teams now it seems to be happening to Rangers a lot that's Motherwell Aberdeen and now Easter Road a few times seems to be a level of hatred towards Rangers in particular in some of these games I don't understand why you know I mean that but that's it seems to be with some of the some of the Rangers players well, first of all to put that one uh, correct you know I did say at the start of the programme that uh, yep. Neil, Neil Lennon was attacked by a fan at Tynecastle and Neil Lennon was failed by a coin thrown by a fan at Tynecastle Tavernier was attacked by a fan at Easter Road and uh, Barisic had to endure the thuggery and the cowardice that he came across last night at Easter Road so it's a problem we have within society. Society's brought its problems inside football grounds. Uh, for me, uh, clubs have to be proactive, have to 
Make sure that there is no possibility Of someone coming into the ground With a vodka bottle Which he then throws at a player And also If it's society's problem Brought inside football grounds Then society mm. has to help football In the form of A proper level of punishment For those who are found It's not enough to issue Lifetime bans How do you know they work? How do you know that They don't get into games In future? And they can certainly go to away games And cause their mayhem there Society has well, got no, some, some, If you've got some football banning orders Require you to check into a police station When the game would be on So there are ways of well, There okay. are ways of, of upholding but it But there are also ways of evading it uh, So uh, Society has to help football uh, To be fair And Thomas's point about Closing parts of, of stadia Is interesting Because that can work two ways I think Thomas was coming from the angle of The authorities tell the you know they they close yes. they say tibs but what about a proactive approach from the clubs? It's something that Hearts did. You know you get in front yeah. of it, you get in front of it as a club, and you identify um, an area that you know you might want to close, like Anne Budge did, and she got a, she got a big backlash from her own fans as well because you're going back to this argument of are you are you punishing the Venison. many for the actions of the few? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Listen, I, th- I think if you. Uh... Trying to be proactive has to be encouraged as well, Gordon. But the point that you've just made there, your second point to that there was that people would be uh, punished having not been part of it. So, you know, it's a very tricky one to try and implement. Uh, and going back to Thomas's original point, it's across the board. You mm. can't just say it's one team or another yeah. because you see it week after week that these idiots are actually costing uh, their teams the negative headlines. And... Uh, Unfortunately, it was the thing with Barisic's last night, and it was extremely dangerous, you know. And this is no to belittle people throwing pies or coffee or cigarette lighters, but bottles is taking it to another level. That's, they're all bad. That, that, that is the thing. It is all bad. You shouldn't throw anything, but, but, but there are degrees of seriousness. And I want to be extremely clear about this. This is not me saying it's okay to throw a pie. Absolutely not. But when you get to the level of throwing a glass bottle, and I don't know what height it came from, but, goes back but, I mean, if it, if it comes from near the top of that stand... I mean that that's, that's incredibly that, dangerous like this I'm I'm not going to say this lightly that there's you wouldn't rule out that that could kill somebody like if if that hits you in the wrong place that that could kill you that yeah. that's the seriousness that, that this that could actually go to yeah getting a a cup of juice thrown over you getting a pie thrown to you it's not acceptable it's not pleasant at all but to the levels that we are now where there's people throwing coconuts and throwing you know glass bottles that, that's that's potentially you're trying to kill somebody but the new owner of Hibs is an American and in America, uh, they would not tolerate behaviour, misbehaviour of that sort. Therefore, he has got to say to Leanne Dempster, right, tell me all about this place and what goes on here. Because I cannot have that. I cannot have my name associated with television pictures that go worldwide of people who support the club I own throwing glass bottles at a prone man. Mm. Thomas, you want to come back in? Yeah, just that, more or less something that's been said. I just don't think points deduction works or anything like that because you'll just get people doing things like that to get teams deducted points. Probably the ground, no, threaten them with the ground because then you're hitting the club in the pocket, no, the actual club. But uh, Rangers played really well last night. And that, just another thing, the boy Porteous, that's a couple of challenges he's now. He's almost a leg breaker's own Rangers players in two seasons. I don't know that, that, that boy needs talking to because. He's going to do damage to a football player if he keeps going in like that in challenges. I think everyone who's ever worked with Ryan Porteous or ever seen Ryan Porteous acknowledges that he's a good defender. He's, he's, got, he's got good potential. 
he needs to channel his aggression better. There's no doubt. I don't. I've not heard anyone disagree with that. You always hear yeah. it, don't you? Well, listen. I think Jack Ross tried to err on the side of caution because he knows he's young and so forth. But as I said earlier on, if he had a caught Barisic, at a particular, yeah. if his leg was planted, he's effectively breaking something, or his knees giving way. One, you know, and it's, and it's mm. you're maybe talking about eight to ten months a year out yeah. of the game and. He's already been injured himself this year, Hugh. So he oh. must know the difficulties of trying to get back from a for a long term injury. So he has to get on top of it because it will tarnish his reputation. You know, as much as he's getting the accolades of being in Scotland squad and so forth, you also pick up this side of things, which but can can cost your team. Thomas, I've I've worked with Ryan Portis. I was at Edinburgh City when Ryan Portis came on loan, loan yeah. and I can guarantee you that he is a lovely, lovely kid and. I don't think he would go out to hurt anybody. Um, he gets caught up in the heat of the moment, and the, the tackle was was particularly poor. And I can remember another another couple of tackles where he, he'll probably be disappointed in them himself in the fact that he's that he's endangered an opponent. Um, but I think it's important that he learns from them because, from a, an international point of view, we've got a real good prospect in Ryan if he learns from it. Let's hear from Stephen Gerrard on the performance. Yeah, very happy. I thought we were we were excellent up until the, the red card, very dominant. People will go away talking about the goals and the front three, and rightly so because they showed extreme quality in, in the goals. But I was really pleased with our back seven as well, how solid we were and how organised we were, and that gave us the, the base to go and attack well from. So very pleased with the win, clean sheet. There was a lot of pressure on the players before the ball was kicked tonight, and we've handled it very well. You're looking for the, the forward players to make their mark with Alfredo out, and they certainly did. Well, yeah, I'm sure you guys had your pencils ready. You were all ready to write the headlines, one man band, and they can't cope without Morelos. But unfortunately, the players have put a performance in which will make you all talk about them rather than Alfredo, and I think the performance deserves that. Only Hugh Keevan still yeah, uses pencil. Everybody yeah. else has moved on. But on a, on a serious note, um, you can understand why he was happy with the performance, Hugh. It could well have been a banana skin. And Rangers dealt with it professionally, effectively. It was three. It could even have been more. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in <clears throat> Stephen Gerrard. I have the utmost regard for him. I think he's terrific in post match press conferences. But, you know, no one's sitting there poised saying, ooh. No no, uh, Morelos No victory for Rangers If Jermaine Defoe comes in And does well and scores a goal As he did Perfectly happy to write about that But they're not all sitting there Poised Trying to get it in for you You know It's a bit paranoid that Craig is a Kilmarnock fan From Johnston A defeat today Craig Managerial uncertainty How would you sum up How you're feeling? Um, When I first seen the news For the week I was a wee bit annoyed Um. I backed Angelo, I thought um, he was going to turn that around, I would have given him the transfer window. Obviously there's stuff coming out in the, the different uh, papers uh, through the week as well, saying that it was the players that went to Billy Bowie and, um, and told, kind of told him to, to get him out because they weren't happy with it, but we won't read too much into that. Obviously with the game today, Alex Dyer took in charge. Um, I think, having watched the game, having been there, um, it was more of a Steve Clark side than it was an Angelo Alessio side that we're watching, I think. Alex Dyer kind of went back to, to how it was last season. I think it was a lot more positive to what we've seen um, in comparison to the, the previous weeks. I mean, if you judge it off of how we played Motherwell previously when we were beaten 2 1 away from home, I think you've got to see we're a lot more positive than that night as well. We we had some chances. I think we could have, we could have definitely scored him in Brophy. I, I missed an absolute sit up. Um, it, was, it was pretty much a tap in and he's put that over the bar. So I think it was, it was good watching. Uh, they, they are, that, that's it, 
the free, that free kick was unreal, and you'll probably see it on the, the match day highlights, maybe on sports team tomorrow, just how well he struck that ball, and I mean, giving away the set piece of daft, but a goal like that, you can't complain about losing that. Have bit. you seen it back, Craig? Craig, can I just ask if you've seen it back yet? Uh, no, I can't. I, I, I'm just I'm driving home from the game. Yeah, so I'm not seeing it back. Fair enough. I wonder. And by the way, give me a call on Monday and let me know what you think about this. I wonder if you might look at the goalie when you see it back, Alex. We've seen a yes. brief glimpse. For, for me, it has to do so much better. It's on. I mean, that it is side. a good hit. Like you know, Carroll catches well, even, it fine. I, I know he, he connects well enough, but I don't even think there's it's in the, the corner. No, Craig. it's not in the corner. So the thing is, I think it's his side. He's kind of half tried to gamble, couldn't quite see. He's got it all wrong For me uh, He should be doing so much better Anyway What about the more general point Though Craig's talking about He felt it was more of a Steve Clark performance today Than an Angelo Alessio Perhaps that's not That's not surprising Given Alex Dyer's role previously Who no. a Steve Clark performance Would have won <laughs> Well Performance he said Not result um, Yeah listen to, If it's been more of a, a Steve Clark performance We touched on that earlier That Alex Dyer was there And, and sort of had the blueprint To how Steve Clark Had the Kilmarnock team Performing pretty well um, Craig had said that he was a bit disappointed to when he seen the manager getting sacked. Now, obviously, there's stories coming out that there was a bit of discontent among the players, um, not just one or two, which which can be manageable within a changing room. A manager, you know, maybe picking the wrong team or playing the wrong tactics can be worked with. But, and I'm sure Alex will agree with me, as a group of football players, when the manager loses a changing room, there there is no alternative. But and I'd never want to see anybody lose their job. But there's no alternative to to change the manager when he loses the changing room. And you know, Kilmarnock have acted on it pretty quickly. Um, and it might transpire. You know, in hindsight, it might be better done sooner rather than later. Let's hear from both managers involved in that game. Alex Dyer first. Oh, try that again, Alex Dyer. Obviously, um, didn't get the result that we wanted, but the boys give their all, especially second half. Created a few good chances. Their keeper was, uh, I thought, was very good on the day, and um, obviously we conceded from a free kick. You've been quite pleased with the response. I mean, obviously the players have, have said some players things about been, you this week. You know, the players and, have been and, excellent. They work hard. They're a good bunch of lads. They want to do well for this football club, which is the main thing. But it's been on a, on a personal level. A few of them have, have said like really positive things about you know. Well, that's not. Like I've not heard, yeah, Thank you. I've not heard that. I don't. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's not. It's not a big thing for me, but it's nice to hear. You know, I just want us to do well as a football team. I just want us to stay in the top half and then try and win games and put on good performances and, and send the fans home happy. Do you enjoy being a number one or do you prefer being an assistant? I enjoy being at a football club. Different being a number one for the day or nothing too different that I would do anyway. You know, I, I still went out, done the warm-up. I still talked to the lads the same way. I, I didn't try and do anything different, you know, um, apart from doing the team talk and... Summarising at the end of the game and half time. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's nothing new. I've seen it for a long time. So I, I know what I need to do. If I, if, I need, if I got the job or I didn't get the job, I, I know what I need to do. Stephen Robinson will be happy though. Didn't think there was, there was a whole lot between the two sides. I thought we started brighter. I thought we had a lot of the ball and chances went across the box and that, but we didn't finish. And then they started to come into the game. And if you're going to come here and get results and, and be where we are on the table, you've got to be resilient. I thought we showed that today. I thought our back four were excellent. I thought Marco Hara for his first start in midfield was, was very good as well. And as you say, a bit of quality wins the game, probably the difference between the two sides. Goalkeeper made a few big saves at big times. Yeah, um, saves I expect him to make. Mark's a very good goalkeeper and he has to be to keep Trevor Carson out of the team at the moment. Back in the third place, I mean, I don't know, like, it's obviously it's, it's early, I mean, before the break, but psychologically, you know, sit, if, if you can be sitting there by the time you get to January and, and, and the break, will you be quite happy with that? I'd be absolutely delighted. Um, 
yeah, we're third. We've got two tough games. You know, we're, we're going up to Ross County next, where I've, I've got the utmost respect for the coaching staff and the ownership up there as well. So we have to be at our best. We, we can't play 70% of win football matches. You know, we need to be right at our very best. Um, we need to keep pushing people. As I say, Mark O'Hara came in today. Thought some super performance, Jake Carroll. But Richard Tate's waiting in the background, ready to play as well. So that's the only way you drive people forward. And, and I do believe we've got a good squad. If we continue with them type of performances and, and showing the resilience we did today, then there's no reason why we can't stay there. Thanks to Craig and Johnson. Craig, give us a call back next week. Let us know how you feel this managerial situation is panning out. Let us know what you think of that goalkeeper as well. We're going to take a breather. Then we'll hear from the Celtic and Aberdeen game. Lots of talking points. We'll hear from the management next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Compensation you deserve. When there's been foul play, talk to Thompson's.com. Gordon DL still with us at Celtic Park. He will get involved very soon, I'm sure, because we're going to hear from the management of Celtic and Aberdeen very soon indeed some big talking points from that game there was a sending off for Sam Cosgrove it seems to have got everyone talking if you look mm. at social media Celtic winning by two goals to one in the end let's quickly hear from Daniel Stendel as well another defeat for Hearts they are bottom of the table as we head towards Christmas here's what the new Hearts boss made of it I think it's better I say not too much but it's not not uh, not the best about uh, the game today and uh, some performances today but uh, we can say it's all shit and we can say it's nothing but uh, in the end uh, we have uh, next week two games and uh, we uh, need to take the heads up but uh, for today it's very difficult Have you now learned more about these players and what you need to do when the window opens next month? Yeah, I think we, we need to change things but some player come back or you need some some different players. Hearts are now bottom of the league, of course, Daniel. Is this season about anything more than just avoiding relegation? At the moment, we we played la- played last week against uh, St Johnston. Today against uh, Hamilton, it was the worst teams in the bottom with us. And when we lose this game, I think the biggest thing is for us to uh, avoid uh, relegation at the moment. And this is yeah, this is at the moment realistic because yeah. Maybe the, some players surprise me in, in, in the future Or we need to change things He keeps banging the desk Which is not oh. entirely helpful And also I'm not entirely sure If there was a wee sweary word that sneaked in there So if there was Accept, well, accept I, our sincerest apologies Hope no one was offended What do you make of Hearts though Hugh? They are bottom he, um, And it's not early in the season no, or halfway no, he, through He's actually said Daniel Stendel has actually said there The biggest thing is to avoid relegation yes. So he now officially concedes that Hearts are in relegation trouble And the next game up is Hibs Now If Hibs don't beat Hearts In their current state The pressure will switch to Jack Ross Because they'll say You lost to Celtic lost to Then you lost to them And they can't win a game anywhere So It's fascinating on Boxing Day But he Daniel Stendel Is bang In trouble Yeah And I think his assessment And uh, that there was Absolute spot on uh, what he said Gordon You know they're struggling I actually sounds as if He's a wee bit lost as well Because he's clearly Went into a job Thinking right okay I'll galvanise him He's had a look about He's seen the actual Level of performances And the key thing is Hamill St Johnson oh. Beat Big big problems there. And Ann Budge is already out. Apparently Made it clear to him That players will come in the window So long as he gets players out 
So he needs to have but, a good balancing exercise. Shug, who's going to take these players when they can't even get a win against Hamilton and St Johnson? I understand. Let's leave that one there now. Gordon DL, you did tell us that Neil Lennon was doing a 5k around the side of the pitch, mm-hmm. yes? Yeah, 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 it's funny. And you were, I mean, not that we didn't believe you, but so much so that John Kennedy has rocked into the press conference because Neil Lennon was running around the pitch. I, I don't really know why, um, but here's what John Kennedy had to make of the game today. Another great three points, you know, great performance. You know, we'd like to put the game to bed earlier, but you know we had to see it out in the end. But you know, in terms of our general performance, you know, chances we created, the way we played, you know, it was terrific. Just Odson popping up again with another vital moment. Yeah, no, again, again, it's good to have him back. You know, when we when he was out of team, we, we missed him. You know, in terms of that creativity and the way he brings players into the game, and again, he showed that today, and we just took the edge off him at the end. Just you know, he's still getting back up to speed. Opportunity to gonna give him a little breather at the end and. And uh, protect him a wee bit for the upcoming games. But again, performance wise, terrific. Odson, great to have him back and, and fire on again. And you know, the team are looking good. What did you make of the red card challenge? I know there's a few players. Um, I think it's one where I don't think he fully catches him. I think he just nicks him and obviously comes the ball. But I think, again, the modern dates, when you, you fly in at that speed and you leave the ground and there's a form of recklessness about it, then the referee, you give the referee a decision to make. And in his eyes, it was a red card. So that's up to him. So John Kennedy admitting that he didn't necessarily catch Ayer But it was the height, it was the speed, the recklessness What did Derek McInnes make of it all? Here's what he had to say not too long ago It was a very gutsy performance I thought fully committed, always in the game The, the game runs away with us with what I felt was a, a poor decision I thought the referee had a very good game But I've just said that people saying to me there Or talking about similar, putting the same brackets Portis last night There's nothing like the Portis tackle Portis clearly makes contact with the player last night Cosgrove's watched it 50 times, 20 times now, and he's won the ball cleanly. If he goes in at speed and hits the player at any point, then you can understand maybe a referee sending him off. But when you get in at speed like that, you've got to make sure you get the ball, and 100% it's a brilliant tackle. He makes the ball. He, he probably doesn't need to go in it as quick as he does, but he, he has won the ball cleanly. And then you get big eye lying, winking at him and laughing at him lying on the ground. Um, nothing wrong with the boy. The boy's carries on. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with him. He's running about out there. He's, he's a very good player. But if Sam Cosgrove, I'll say, if Sam Cosgrove's hit higher going at that speed, Ayer's hurt. And the boy's clearly not hurt. It's a brilliant tackle. Do you think the reaction of some of the Celtic players maybe influences the decision at all and Scott Brown ran straight over? Who knows? Who knows? You can make your own mind up on that. I spoke to Lenny, first thing he said there after the game, and I know it's easy for a winning manager to say it, but he says, uh, no way, it's a red card. There we go, interesting. Uh, right, well, let's ask Stephen and Wisher what he thinks of it. Stephen, you're a Celtic fan. Do you think it, it was a harsh red card? Was it a deserved red card? I, I think it was harsh. Um, I think Derek McInnes is a bit disingenuous there. Um Personally speaking, I, I think it was harsh. But on the flip side, Sam Crosgrove, if he would have made contact, it would have been a serious, serious injury for Ayer. Luckily, it was maybe a split second away from not being a serious injury. But if, comparing it to the boys last night for Hibernian, I, I think it's kind of similar. I think the boys for Hibernian made a good tackle. Should never have been sending off. And I think Crosgrove should have been booking. At, at the most So hold on Just yeah. to double check you, you don't You don't even think Portis should have been Sent off last night No No way No way I think it was a good tackle I think he played the ball It was a very very good tackle he Played a lot of Barisic as well though, no. Did they not Stephen Come on Stephen He played the ball first Barisic. It doesn't matter Where he played the ball Stephen It's, a, it's a, the force In which you actually Catch the player On the follow through If you get the ball that It's irrelevant As how you catch them On the follow through And the pace And that's probably why Sam Cosgrove has been done 
also Stephen made a point there That um, the boy wasn't hurt That's not the issue at all Not well, the issue at all Hugh Stephen said that himself there and, and to quote you Stephen You said he's a split second away from a serious injury is is that is that the level that we want to actually be playing at as, as professional footballers just now being a split second away from, from a serious injury? Do you have to be seriously injured before something becomes a red card? For me, you absolutely don't. That that, that was sort of rhetorical, mate. Um to to think that you could be a split second away from a serious injury by a what can be perceived as a reckless tackle or an endangering an opponent is it's, it's not good enough. Gordon, very interesting comments from the management there. It was John Kennedy saying, you know, he he certainly didn't think it was Overly bad He acknowledges that it didn't really catch Ayer But he mentions a couple of things You know the height Sam Cosgrove does have two feet off the ground If you see it back They are You know um, He goes in pretty quickly He says about a recklessness So you can Using those buzzwords You can see why the referee decided the red card But Derek McInnes Defending his player um, And saying that Ayer was laughing and winking And that Neil Lennon thinks it was harsh Who do you side with? I side with uh, the referee. I think he's got the decision right, Gordon. Um, he gets in at such speed. Um, he gets in with a bit of aggression. It doesn't matter. The boys are right. It doesn't matter if they win the ball. Um, and it doesn't matter to me that, you know, as Derek McInnes said, that Ayers up and he's playing on and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. look at Portis last night, we all agree that's a red card. What happened? Barisic played on. You know, so it's not a case of, well, he didn't hurt him, so it shouldn't be a red card, it should be a yellow card. Just and to, 10 to, as well, so it's a red card for me. Just to make sure that we're covering everything off, though, Derek McInnes is talking about he doesn't feel Cosgrove got any of the man. So although although we say it doesn't matter if you get the right. ball, generally when we say that, we're talking about, you know, the follow-through. Don't say that you won the ball if you've wiped the guy out as well, but Derek yeah. McInnes is saying that he actually catches none of, I, of Christopher Honestly, yeah. Gordon, I don't think it actually matters. I think at the point of... Well, it must, surely. If no, it, I, I, I genuinely don't. To the point of getting involved in, in the actual incident, um, being high, being late, being out of... Con- they talk about being out of control. So for me, to be out of control, you need to have one of your feet at least on the ground to be able to change your speed, to be able to move your direction... When they talk about a control Sam Cosgrove wasn't able to do that Whether he makes contact with the man or not If there's potential there for endangering an opponent Or it's reckless It mm. constitutes a red card Final word to you Stephen Yeah um, I think Sam, Sam Cosgrove was a wee bit unlucky If the shoe was in the opposite fit And a Celtic player would have been sent after that I'd be screaming to blue heaven I still believe however It's a wee bit snowflake It's got football Some tackles In fact you said yourself Barish should get up and played on so why, why should Portis be sent off for that? He clearly played the ball. I know people are saying he played the man after, but so by that argument, Barisic, if he knows it's coming in, to just get out of the way. Stephen, Stephen, on the contrary, you said that he can find himself unlucky. I think he can find himself very lucky that there was no contact. It's funny because I've now heard that this is typical, what was that, snowflake Scotland, yes, but I've actually heard the opposite, that look at us, we're cavemen here because we still tackle like that. So I've actually heard the same incident interpreted on different that's ends why, of, of that's the spectrum why var, VAR is of no use to this country <laughs> None whatsoever Because no matter what VAR says At a cost of a million pounds plus per year No one will believe mm. VAR Thanks to Gordon DL We will send him on his way One league that does have VAR is south of the border Brendan Rogers has taken the lead at the Etihad And what an unbelievable oh. finish it was From Jamie Vardy But we've had a lot of good talking points A lot of exciting football of our own today Hugh Keevans How does it leave us as we move closer towards Christmas? It leaves Celtic five points clear at the top and needing to avoid a booby trap at St Mirren so that they can head into the game against Rangers with that five-point lead intact and what an afternoon that will be on December 29. It leaves Hearts 
with a manager having had his first three games end defeat, conceding that he is now in a relegation fight to keep Hearts in the Premiership, and his next game is against Hibs. Wow. Wow, indeed. Thank you, Hugh Keevans, Craig BT, Alex Ray, Gordon Dale, and all the top team for joining us around the grounds. The biggest thanks, as always, though, goes to you. Thanks for staying in touch all afternoon, for listening, for your tweets and your calls. We are off tomorrow. It's unheard of in the last few weeks, but we are off. We're back on Monday at six o'clock. We'd love for you to join us, and the GBX is up next. Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, the form team for compensation for more than 40 years. Talk to Thompson's.com.